So uh, if you've been here the past uh, couple months, we've been going through uh, a series through the book of Romans, um, the gospel believed, and I'm just trying to take a, um, a more in-depth look at what Paul says about the gospel, and, and as we've said from here before, it's kind of a dissertation on the gospel. It's, it's, the, it's the textbook of what, uh, in, in real detail, what Jesus has accomplished for us and, and what that means for our lives. Um, last week, if you were here, Kelly did an amazing job uh, jumping into the topic of predestination and foreknowledge and stuff that's like really hard to talk about um, and, and difficult to understand, and he did a great job of just um, helping us to have a high view of salvation. Um, so well done, Kelly. Thanks for that. Um, today, we're going to be kind of continuing that, and, and it's, it's somewhat connected just to, so if we have this high view of salvation, so what? Um, that's kind of what we're going to be talking about, and the so what is mission, is, is seeking out people who don't know Jesus and, and having the gospel impact us in such a way that our life looks different, we, our pursuits look different. Um, before we get into the text, um, I want to quickly um, just help us all observe something really quick. Um, we're going to just note something about our culture. Um, it's really easy for us to like beat up on culture just because it's like out there and like, oh, the world is so this and that and we're so good in the church and all that. That's clearly not true. But um, looking at culture is important because culture is like a, um, a current. And when you go out into the beach and you go into the water and then five minutes later, you're like a couple miles downstream. Whether we realize it or not, what's happening in our world around us has a natural pull on us as a people, even people of faith. Um, and the church is not, um, the church is subject to that. Um, so I think it's important that we recognize kind of where we might be at as a people um, before we consider how we can be effective um, and how we should be um, postured towards seeing people saved. Is that cool? So um, culture, it, we're in a moment that I'm sure everybody, this is going to be really obvious to you. You guys are like, yeah, Isaiah, we get it. We know. Um, we're in a moment in culture where like communication is just broken down entirely. We're in a moment where sharing a belief is an invitation for a virtual shouting match. Um, if you look, if you go on Facebook at all still, the first, I guarantee, I would bet you money, the first thing you see on your feed is like some political post with like 80 comments and two people just like, rah, 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 back and forth. Um, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's dangerous. It's dangerous to be truthful about what you believe. Um, the, uh, the other thing that is kind of happening too is that even in like internet subcultures and like fandoms, there's like bitterness and outlash between people if you don't like the same thing the same way. So like I'm a big Star Wars fan. If you say you like the prequel movies, you like... You can, like, you, you can get like a death threat. Or if you say you like the sequel movie, it's legitimate. You, people will just jump at you. If you say you like the movie Solo, <laughs> people, people just jump at you, even, even in liking the same thing. And, and what's happening essentially is when we disagree, we get loud and we get angry, and then we isolate. So we essentially start putting... Um, conditions on being welcomed and conditions on being loved in addition to having a common interest. Um, and I, I say that to say we in the church 
have a very similar, we have a temptation presented to us in the culture to do the same thing. When we, I think there's a couple, a couple things that happen to us as a church. We either walk away, we're like, you know what, these, these truths that we see in scripture are just too much. I'm, I'm a bigot, I feel like. I, I feel like I see the people who identify as Christians, and I don't want anything to do with them. So I'm, God's cool, but like his church, I'm, I'm done with. Or we go hard on the other side, and it's like we get louder, we get angry, we isolate, we just, we go keyboard, full keyboard warrior, and we just lash out at people who don't believe what we believe. And um, I think in the middle, where I find myself, and I think a lot of us might find ourselves, is we just kind of turn down the volume a little bit. It's not that we don't believe what's in scripture. It's that we just, we feel a little less comfortable sharing it. Um, And what happens is we start to lose our voice. We start to lose our effectiveness. um, And we get scared. And it it makes sense. The things that we believe, uh, believe it or not, at this time are very unpopular and are very offensive. Um, So this morning, what what we're going to talk about is a heart disposition that we should be seeking when we engage in conversation, when we engage in mission, when we engage people who don't know Jesus. So if you can turn in your Bibles or your phones to Romans 9, we're going to be at verse 1. Uh, I'm reading out of the ESV. It should be up here as well. Ready, set, go. Here we go. Romans 9.1. I am speaking the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen according to the flesh. They are Israelites, and to them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship, and the promises. To them belong the patriarchs, and from their race, according to the flesh, is the Christ, who is God over all, blessed forever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray really quick. Father, our desire this morning is to to grow in greater unity with you. Our desire this morning is that as we behold Christ and we behold your work and what you accomplished, that you would do something in us that would change how we interact, that we, you would change the things we pursue in life um, and have a predisposition towards welcoming, loving, um, and, and caring for and being interrupted by people who don't know you um, because, Jesus, that is what you did for us. You allowed us to interrupt you. You were consistently interruptible, um, and it was all for our benefit. So, Lord, would you, uh, would you use my words? Would you, would you override my words? Would you... Um, help this church and help us as a community to take your word seriously. And um, Holy Spirit, we just invite you to lead us through this. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So Paul, this, this passage, uh, Romans 9, 1 through 5, Paul does something incredible, I think. Um, if we could have verse, I think it's verse 3 up. For I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. There's a lot of nuance in this sentence that I think sets a really good example and a really good bar for us as Christians. 
The first thing that we notice is he's saying, for I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ. Pause. So apparently, we can infer that his kinsmen are indeed cut off and accursed. Paul seems to have a belief that the description of people who are not found in Christ, that is their spiritual state. That is uncomfortable. I don't think any person who doesn't know Jesus would hear that and be really encouraged or really want to go to church. It's hard. It's a hard thing. But it is, it is part of the gospel. It's, non, it's non-negotiable. It is what gives weight to salvation. But notice the way that Paul is communicating this truth. He is not saying, my brothers are cut off in a curse. He doesn't just outright say that. He doesn't accuse. It's, it's in the context, only in the context of compassion. He's saying in, the way, the way he's saying this belief is in, I wish I was in their place. They are, they are, they are in a place that's, that's not good. But more than that, I wish I was in that place. He's not ashamed of the truth. And he sees, if we go on in verse 4 and 5, they are Israelites, and to them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the giving of the law, the worship, and the promises, the patriarchs, and from their race according to the flesh is the Christ, who is God over all. He has incredible faith for these people. His perspective on, of, of people who are not in the kingdom of God is not down, lesser, incapable. It, it is, I believe, these things are all true about them. They have every reason to know Jesus. They have every opportunity and, and so much that I wish I could be cut off for that, for, for their sake. He's not leaning on either side, you know, we talk a lot about, like, um, Jesus talks about the, the word of God coming in grace and truth. And I think we, we lean on one side, either we're really gracious and, and we're scared of what's true, or we're really truthful and kind of jerks about it. This is not that. This is full truth, hard stop. This is difficult. Full grace, full compassion. I wish I could take this burden for them. So I don't know about you, but I personally see, I find myself challenged by this verse. I think the obvious question is how come I don't feel that way? So apparently, we, me and Paul believe in the same Jesus. The, the Jesus that intervened in Paul's life, that knocked him off a horse, and completely turned his life around is the same Jesus that plucked me out of darkness and saved me and did the same for those of you here. But I'm not, I'm not in verse 3 often. And maybe I'm not malicious towards people who don't know Jesus, but I'm not, I'm not looking to be cut off or, or accursed for them, you know? And I, I think this is another moment, and I, I've talked about this from up here before, this is another moment where we're, we're met with an indicative and an imperative. So an indicative is like this, this unque- like not unquestionable, but this unfallible, solid, structural truth that just is reality, whether you feel it or not. Like Jesus died on the cross and that has implications for us. Like it's, you don't have to feel it, it's, it affects us. 
And then there's an imperative, there's like a response that's appropriate and correlates to that truth. And, and Paul seemed to have this connection between when I think about what Jesus has done, the natural response with the help of the Holy Spirit and my obedience is a burden, a, a sense of compassion and a sense of deep faith for people who don't know Jesus. I personally don't feel that all the time. I think my resting, my resting heart rate, if we can call it that, is usually, that seems like a long shot. That, that would be crazy if that happened. Or, oh, this person's like a nominal Christian. They like don't go to, this is easy. Like this seems like an easy one. I'll put my time there, you know. Um, and I, I don't want to, my, my heart this morning is not to like guilt us or, or should on you, like you should be this and you're not. Um, I think what happens is we can easily get into like a defeated mentality. And it's like, well, I'm not there, so why even try? What, I, what I'm calling us to is just to lean into this a little bit because I think the distance between the indicative and the imperative, the, the, the distance between what's true and what is supposed to be represented in our lives, that's called faith. There's a gap between what we see in Jesus and what we know Jesus has accomplished in us. And, then, and, and that's over here, and maybe I'm over here, and then way over here is like Paul's disposition towards the loss. I think if you find yourself there, if you don't feel what Paul feels, you're in an okay place. If we're willing to say, God, I don't feel that, but I want you to increase my capacity. I want you to do something in me that I could feel that. And then I'm also going to like foster in my own behavior in life that becoming a reality. I think that is a beautiful place to be. Uh, Kelsey and I, we love going to movies. We go to movies like once a week. Um, and we just saw this movie, uh, 1917. Have you guys seen it? It's beautiful. If you haven't seen it yet, you should see it. It's all in like one shot. Um, it's just, it's mesmerizing to watch. But the story is, um, there's this soldier and his commanding officer says, hey, there's, uh, it's during World War II also. I'm, I'm not going to pretend to know all, World War I, I'm not going to pretend to know, that's what I was going to say. I'm not going to pretend to know all the dates, but the story is what matters. It's in 19, yeah, see, I know things. Um, so this, uh, the soldier's called into his commanding officer's office and he says, hey, there's an ambush coming and I need you to go on foot to this place. Um, and if you don't make it in time, we're gonna lose hundreds of men, one of which is your brother. And so this guy is like, okay, here we go. And he grabs his buddy and they set off. And there's this moment where him and his buddy are talking as they're about, they're like walking through the, tr the trenches and he says, hold on, like we've got time. Like it's not gonna take us 24 hours to get to this spot. Like let's slow down and think about this. And the guy who originally got the order is like, no, I have to go. Like, I just have to go. And I bring up that story because I think that's a, a beautiful picture of what faith is. Faith is being given this distance, again, imperative, indicative. That, that distance is we've been, we see a command, we see a need, and it's like, I don't know if this journey is going to be safe. I don't know if it's going to be successful. I don't know what I'm going to encounter on the way, but like, I'll go. I'll, I'll at least try. And I think when we are in that place in our relationship with God of, I'll at least try, even if that's all we have, I think that God works most powerfully in us when that is our disposition.
So what? So what? So we have this, this bar set for us this morning. We have this possibility that um, is open to us. What steps are we taking? What steps can we take to have something more of the heart of God present in us? Um, there's a couple things, that, practical things I want to speak to. Um, one of them, and we've talked about it before, is being interrupted. If you look at the life of Jesus, his most, like the miracles he performed, the, the conversations he had, the people who got saved, there were moments when he was doing something and somebody was like, hey, Jesus, and he stopped what he was doing and gave them the time of day. I was, uh, I was picking up a gift for Kelsey for Valentine's Day from our Amazon locker, and there's a, there's a, a girl sitting there who was homeless or in, in a, having a tough time, and I was just on a mission. I was like, late from work, grabbing it, and going, and like I pulled up to my house, and I was, that was a moment where I was like, that was, that was an opportunity. That was, that was a T-ball for me that I could have, maybe nothing would have happened had I, had I asked, but that was an opportunity that I could have been interrupted, and something could have happened. Maybe nothing would have happened, but nothing did happen because I wasn't interruptible. And I, I would bet that there's opportunities in your day when, we're, when you're on a mission to do your own stuff, that, that you could be interrupted, and you could have an impact, but we miss it. Something, uh, something I try, I, I've been trying to do is just be more intentional about talking with my coworkers who I sit next to. And uh, one of them, he super, he's an older guy, he's been doing work longer, doing this line of work longer than I've been alive, like by two or something like that. He's just really cool. Um, so I just would ask, What's happening in your life? Like, what's going on? How's your weekend? Um, and he would just, we'd just kind of talk back and forth, catch up. And then one time I asked, and he, he's a very, like, not emotional, cool, easygoing guy. And he, he was, like, pretty upset, I could tell. For him, it didn't look like a lot, which meant was like, whoa, this guy's feeling something. And he, he talked about some situations going on with his daughter and his family. And he just was like, hey, so pray for me. Like, that's how he ended his story. And it was like, I will pray for you. And then the next day I was driving, and I remember that conversation. I prayed for him. And the next day I came back, and I said, hey, how is that going? And nothing has happened yet. He didn't, like, his leg didn't grow out or, like, get healed or, like, gold dust or something like that. But I have infinite more opportunity for something meaningful to happen because I was allowing myself to be interrupted. Can you do something to be interrupted? What can you do to be more available? I think the other thing too is when it comes to, to mission and discipleship, it's not adding a bunch of stuff to your schedule. It's not that we need to do more things. It's, is there something in my life I can invite somebody into? If you're going grocery shopping, if you're cooking a meal, do you have a non-believing in your life that you'd say, hey, you wanna tag along for this? Again, it's not, it's not much, but you're giving yourself even a 0.1 more percent chance of something really powerful happening. And that's what, that's what coming back to the, the main point, that's what we're talking about here is, is not, God, I don't believe you can do this, so I'm not even going to try, and I, or my heart isn't here where I, I desire to be cut off for the sake of the loss, but like, can I just like bridge that gap just a little bit? And when we do that, God does powerful things. 
If we turn to, uh, lastly, if we turn to uh, chapter 10, verse 1 in Romans. I didn't give this one to you, Haley. I'm sorry, I should have. Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. Can we start there? Can we start with my desire is that they would be saved? So I'm going to pray. So this morning, what I, what I want us to do, how I want us to respond is we've got cards at the communion tables. And it seems, maybe it seems cheesy or, or simple, but what I'm trying to, I want to put tools in our hands to participate even in a small way because I think, again, I think that's where God works is when we, we take a little step of like, I don't feel this, but like I'm going to do it. Or I'm going to do this, but I don't see the, the consequence or the reward for it, but I'm going to keep doing it. I think that's what God wants. I think God, God for whatever reason, loves faith. It's like really uncomfortable and hard. Like he just is like so psyched about faith though. He loves it. Like Peter walking on the water and like almost drowning. Like he, like Jesus gets his jollies on, on faith, you know? Um, and I'm trying, like as a church, can we like take a step of faith? Can we risk a little bit? Can we be willing and open to being interrupted for these people? So what we're gonna do is at the communion table, there's note cards and pens. Can you just write down the name of one person in your life that you want to see to come know Jesus. And having a physical thing, I think, is helpful because when you see it in six months when you take it out of your jeans and it's all crumpled up, you're going to be like, oh, I was going to pray for that guy. And maybe you pray for them. And maybe you pray for them this morning and then you see them tomorrow at work and you say, hey, I, was, I, I thought of you the other day and was praying for you. How are you? I remember another thing, Kelly, um, when we first started Southlands Chino, his, his thing he encouraged us with is, hi, how are you? Try that, you know? Um, so my hope is that as we write down these names, we, during communion, in, if you do, take it by yourself or with a group of people, that you just spend even a second, just, God, I want to see this person come to know you. It doesn't have to be a big extravagant prayer. Just ask God. Tell God, chapter 10, verse 1, God, my desire and prayer is that they would be saved. And then participate. When you can be interrupted, be interrupted. When you can have a conversation, have a conversation. When you can invite somebody to dinner, invite them to dinner and just see what happens.